Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer. And I'm Deborah Ann Wool. And you've been invited in. I want to do bad things. On Truest Blood. Welcome back, everybody, to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by episode. Yay, we made it. Season two, Kristen. I'm so excited. No. We're back. Thanks to the fans. Thank you to the fans, to HBO. You all are the reason that we were able to get a second season and continue to bring these episodes to you. We love doing them. We love our cast and crew (laughs) and directors and writers. I mean, all these crazy people that let us interview them. Do they not know us? No. Well, I know who you are. You are Kristen Bauer and you play Mm -hmm. the uh, fantastically dry Pamela Swinford de Beaufort. I sure do. And you know who you are? You are Deborah Ann Wall, and you play Baby Van Jessica. So we are just (laughs) thrilled to jump into the season opener this week with Nothing But the Blood. It is written by Alex Wu and directed by Daniel Minahan. In this episode, we meet some new friends, catch up with our old favorites, and find out if blood really is what binds Mm, us. Speaking of blood, we are going to speak with the Stephen Moyer, my father, my my maker, my daddy, if you will. (laughs) Um, And we spend a lot of time uh, drinking blood this episode here. And I. So we'll speak with him later and uh, find out what it's like to be Bill Compton. Oh my gosh. I'm so thrilled about that. Well, folks, here we go again this week on True Blood. The infamous red painted toenails sticking out of Detective Belfler's car are officially identified as belonging to Miss Jeanette, the exorcist-slash-con artist frequented by the Thornton women. But Renée Lanier is long dead, and there is the little matter of her heart having been torn out. It seems there is a new killer in Bon Temps, and Sookie's peaceful world is once again turned upside down. Every time I think I know what's what, it turns out. I don't know anything. Tara comes clean about her relationship with the deceased, but the police aren't buying it until Letty Mae shows up at the station, distraught. After Tara is released, Marianne envelops her in a hug and has some venomous words for Letty Mae. 
Back at Marianne's mansion, all is hunky-dory until Carl, her butler, interrupts a romantic moment between Tara and Eggs by the pool, to which Marianne pitches quite the hissy fit. Nobody needed towels! The usually unflappable Sam appears fully flapped by the emergence of Marianne. Turns out, 15 years prior, he snuck into her house, was seduced by her, and ran off stealing $100,000 in cash. With so much on his mind, he has little time for Sookie's drama. I can't be whatever you want, whenever you want anymore. I'm tired of charring my ass on your back burner. Across county lines, Jason has fallen under the spell of the Reverend Newland and wife. He receives a sign from God and hastily enrolls in their anti-vampire leadership retreat. Bill has his hands full with his young progeny, Jessica. They spend the night learning the rules of the house and testing out different combinations of true blood, much to Jessica's chagrin. Less like ass than the A positive, but more like ass than the B negative. Later that night, when Suki confronts Bill about his murder of her uncle Bartlett, Bill gallantly declares his love and devotion to Suki, who forgives him. Twice. Meanwhile, chained up in a mysterious basement is a barely living Lafayette. He watches in horror as another captive is eviscerated by one Eric Northman. So I think as we jump into the highlights of this episode, Kristen, the first really Mm -hmm. big exciting reveal is that Lafayette is alive! Mm -hmm. OMG. He's not doing great, but he's alive. (laughs) Yeah, technically, he's alive. And this is a big thing because in the books, he is killed. But we talked about Alan last season, talked about how they just couldn't kill Nelson Ellis. Like this actor, this character just had to stay around. So this is big news. Big news. We're sad to lose Aisha Hines, who played Miss Jeanette. You know, so of course that's that's a a, a tough go. It but is. it is so exciting to see Lafayette. But he's in a, yes. he's in a tough spot there. Uh, it's this mysterious Literally. basement. We don't know where it is yet. They're very. I mean, yeah. is that the creepiest set that was ever built? And the music. I, I mean, want to give credit to Nathan as yeah. well. Oh, the music yeah. underneath that. It's almost like like creaky submarine ambiance. He did such a good job giving it. Uh, oh, that's... yeah. That's a good point. The submarine, Mm -hmm. you really feel like you're deep Mm -hmm. in the, you know, under earth, underwater. Yeah. And and we call it the saw room, (laughs) I guess, after the saw movies. For yes, for obvious uh, (laughs) connections. Right. Yep. I remember that room, you know, because it was, you know, we we shall find out that is the the Fantasia basement. So we've all spent a little time in there. And yeah, it is. Yeah. It is not a, a terribly pleasant space to work in. It isn't. I've had a lot of experiences there. I'm, I'm, they're coming back to me as I, I think about this. I've had some funny ones. Mm-hmm. I had, oh, I got to say some great dialogue <sighs> down there. I had a scene with you yep. down there. All right. We've got a lot coming up coming in up. future seasons. And then it's so fascinating. They bring uh, Royce in, our, our favorite mm-hmm. uh, redneck vampire killer. Um, yes, and it's, it's yes. interesting to have like enemies in a way sort of brought into on the same level here. It is. And have that conversation. They have a very funny, interesting conversation down there. 
They have the funniest <laughs> dialogue between the two of them where he's confessing, what did he pee in his boss's drink? Yes, yes. Once. And then, and then, you know, he's the AIDS burger yeah. jerk. Yeah. Right? So how funny that that comes for full circle. And he apologizes. Yeah. And then he says, you know, by the way, I'm sorry. I mean, I did let my roommate blow me in college. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, being in these situations and what it causes people to to say and share and rethink right. about their lives. Enemies bonding. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like when we go to the final network audition as actresses and we're, they stick us together mm -hmm. very often. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're clinging to it. You're, you should be rivals, right. but you're not. Right. You're practically holding hands and you leave their best friends because it was such a traumatic experience. Yeah. You yeah. Know? When it's, yeah. So they bond. It's, it's interesting because then, you know, there's this vicious killing by oh Eric gosh. Norman at the end. I mean, it's, it may Fabulous. be the most vicious thing we've seen so far. Yes. Uh, but it's, um, we have to hate Royce enough for yeah. that to be a satisfying moment. And so they did a good job right. of balancing that, of giving him some humanity at the very yes. end, but also reminding yes. you that like, there's a reason he's down here. It is interesting yeah. that that he really eviscerates him Oof. and we don't hate Eric for it. We don't. We don't hate Eric. We don't. We, it's pretty, well, and I'm very biased, so I can't say, but I'm so biased. But it is a great killing. Well, and it pays off that moment with Eric and Merlots when he says, when you yeah. all go down there and he says, we know uh -huh. what you all have done. We know. You know, and so now, right. you know, we really see that he is the sheriff of area, I want to say 51, but that's not it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. 50. Something. Five? Yeah. 50, <laughs> He's not the sheriff the of area 51. That's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the True Blood reboot. Yes, yes. And yeah, and and they make Royce do something stupid mm -hmm. where he silvers him. He shoves yeah. the cross in his cheek, yeah. right? But also a nod to the writers, the writer yeah. in this episode, because he comes down in the foils and yes. his hair, <laughs> right? Which yes. could make him not intimidating, but it oh, doesn't it because it's Alex. It and then the way he rips off that oh. silly smock we all have on when we get our yeah. hair done, he really does this like, you know, he grabs it on each shoulder and pulls it off like dramatically. Yeah. That killing is fabulous. It looks like from a start to finish. Chippendale, you know, he's just like, sure, right. God, you know, <laughs> right, right, totally. Snaps, snap wear, you know, kind of tear away clothes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That yeah. is it. When it also, it's this wonderful moment, too, of like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, it's such a right. clear look. And we'll talk about it more next episode when we reveal what that yeah. is. Yeah. But it is, it sets it up perfectly. He was in the middle of something. <laughs> he was in the middle of something. He was in he the was middle, in the of, middle something. of something. Uh, so he's especially angry. But it's yeah. a great, you know, it's a great stunt finish for him. We weren't there, it so is. we don't know exactly how it was done. But I'm yeah, going to guess, uh, you know, the actor on a wire of some sort. I'm mm -hmm. going to guess uh, potentially mm -hmm. some a dummy or some pieces of a dummy for uh, Alex to play yeah. with. Hopefully Alex yeah. will tell us more when we get to speak with him. Yep. Alex didn't really rip apart the actor. Yeah, There's yes. some sort of special effects going on. That actor is alive yes, and well, we everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> that no, yes, no okay. humans were harmed in the making of this TV show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, and then, yeah, and then we end with big splashes of blood across Lafayette's face. Oh, that was so good. He's, yeah, he's in trouble. With ends thinking, you know, poor Lafayette. He's in trouble. So another big highlight from this episode is that we meet the Newlands. You know, we meet the Newlands. We've so far only seen Steve on TV, and now we go behind mm-hmm. the scenes and we meet his mm-hmm. wife and get a little bit of a sense mm-hmm. of their life together. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Oh. We, we get her whole character watching her at the yes. monitor and then immediately he's like, any notes? Yeah. You yeah. know, so good. I love that relationship. Yeah, it's great. I mean, even her saying, you know, you sounded too much like a preacher and we have political aspirations, you know, like. Right. You could be governor. Yeah, you could start to see these are ambitious. Mm-hmm. This is an ambitious couple and that she is just as much as he is. Um, He just gets Mm -hmm. to be the face, which is really, uh, you know, I think on the money (laughs) for that story. On the money. Speaking of money, they then uh, ask Jason to pay to come to the leadership conference. And again, you know, it's right in line with that idea of, you you know, salvation should be free, but no, you have to pony up. But no. Yeah. And the way that he puts his hand on Jason's face and Jason has that come to Jesus moment and he says, may God's light shine upon (laughs) you. And it really does. God's light shines upon Jason Stackhouse for a moment. It does. You know, Ryan just plays that I'm in, I believe it. And you're like, oh boy, this is how it happens. You know, I want to talk about this later too, especially with Jason, but you know, we talk about with Eddie, Jason is lacking this positive male role model Mm -hmm. in his life. And I think, you know, he's so easily swayed to these different points of view. He was by Amy, you know, now he is by the Newlands. And it's just, it's such a fascinating facet of Jason's personality. It is. It is. He is lost. And then we have the big flashbacks are always Mm -hmm. a thing, Mm -hmm. right? For actors to find out your backstory, you know, So we have Sam's flashback Mm. and we learn how he knows, you know, that Marianne is a force to be reckoned with. What are you? Baby boy, you're not the only one who's special in this world. Oh, Michelle Forbes. I mean, (laughs) just wait till we interview her this season. My God, she's so frightening. Oh my God. She is so unbelievably oh. powerful and charismatic. Her performance every second oh. of this entire season blows me yeah. away. Yeah. And it's just it's just so perfect to to do these flashbacks to see Sam's origin, you know that he, you know, Sam is mm-hmm. the quote-unquote good guy, but we see that he's done mm-hmm. some pretty bad shit in his past, but also yeah. suffered quite a bit, you know, the abandonment of his yeah. family. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Marianne kind of takes what she wants from him as well. Uh, yeah. And of course, it's super creepy that she looks exactly the same. Yeah. She, we start to get a glimpse that she may be another mm-hmm. possibly almost immortal creature. Yeah. And then I think the the really biggest, most anticipated moment of this episode is, of course, the very end mm-hmm. where Bill and Suki you know, absolutely. They're just mm-hmm. gluttons for drama. They just love a good fight. Uh, <laughs> but holy crap, did Alex yeah. Wu give Bill a speech? Oh, holy crap. It's okay. 
I cannot, and I will not lose you for all the ways I have dismayed, aggrieved, or failed you. I swear I will atone. But I am not sorry. I refuse to apologize for what you have awakened in me. You, you are my miracle, Suki. For the first time in 140 years, I felt something I thought had been lost to me forever. I love you. And for that, I shall never feel sorry. Quiver through you in all the right places. <laughs> I mean, as someone who has ovaries, yeah. like, you know, so what? He killed my uncle. You know, my uncle was a dick, you know. It's, it's, I mean, so what if he killed that girl? She's not really dead, dead, the vampire Jessica. You know what I mean? I mean, I could forgive so much with that speech. And he delivers it beautifully. Yeah. And Anna just... We just see how we're we're all her in that yeah. moment, right? Well, it's a beautiful, it's a speech. beautiful speech, and and there's something interesting too. Earlier on in the episode, she has a moment where she says, "Is there?" You know, she finds out about Jessica. She says, "Is there anything else you're hiding from me?" And Steve right. Moyer does the greatest line reading of all time. He does a pause and says, "Nothing." No, nothing. But of course, book readers, as well as those of you that know the rest of this series, know that Bill indeed has mm-hmm. a very big secret that he is keeping from Sookie. And you know, now yeah. knowing that and watching this series colors all of these moments a little more vividly. It does. So if you if you don't know, please, you know, don't read ahead. Uh, you know, wait and get the right. get, you know, get the spoiler at the right time. But for those yep. of you who do. You know, it's really fun to watch this and see that Stephen, as a brilliant actor, is layering in this great subtext in every single moment. It is really fun to rewatch because it's kind of like, you know, when you rewatch The Sixth Sense, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. now that you know, you're like, wow, this really does kind of hold together. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that with this show, the writing is so good and so smart and the actors are all incredible. Mm -hmm. To go back and go, oh my gosh, that moment really yeah. is uh, artful. Well, and also that the, that the writers and Alan shared with us, you know, that mm-hmm. Steve, you know, Steve knew he knew what his subtext was, and he could even mm-hmm. in as early as the first season begin to support all of his choices with this mm-hmm. story, and that they trusted us to be able to do that in a really organic yes. way. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things. There's that really wonderful vamp shot uh, as Suki, you know, waits for him to respond and he doesn't and he vamps to stop her at the door. Such good use of vamp speed. Well, that is also a body double shot. So you're going to notice. I didn't know You'll notice a bunch of those throughout the show. And, you know, I encourage, you know, viewers as you're watching, see if you can spot them. You see Suki and you see the back of Bill Compton as she passes him Uh. and Bill is out of frame. 
then he's, yeah. you know, zips in in front of her with the vamp speed. And so that is going to be right. his stunt double or his stand in or body double that is the back of yeah. him um, so that he can yeah. just be right off camera where he needs to be and zip in at the last minute. Steve Moore. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that scene. Now I'm going to have to go, watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we yeah, use that, that trick a lot. Really well done. Yeah, yeah. In fact, they used they used it in the first season uh, with Lorena. Um, you know, in the in the okay. cabin, they had used she had done that same trick. Oh so right, he learned it from his maker. Right, right, right. Yeah. Then, good, yeah. good idea. Yeah, well, I get really excited about this stuff. And so then the the end. yeah the uh-huh. end of it the end of this is this beautiful passionate love scene for Bill oh. and Suki. Um, it's so artfully and you know well shot. The lighting is so soft and it's sexy and yeah. beautiful. But I'm really, it's really beautiful. I think it's a great example of a storytelling love scene rather than strictly voyeuristic. Mm-hmm. You know there are close ups on hands and backs as much as anything else mm-hmm. and. I love mm-hmm. that it's about catering to their desires, not ours, right? This is about right. capturing how much they love each other and how much they're connected, not about mm-hmm. what we see or our, you know, desire to Voyeurism see them. Yeah. That's a really good point because it is consummating saying, I love yeah. you. And, you know, they're both so- Super sweet you know, connected <laughs> for, for some obvious reasons. Yeah. So I'm sure, yes. you know, I'd be curious to, to hear what the difference, because we're so, you know, I, as we get deeper into it, I'd love to have some conversations about intimacy on set and what that looks like yeah. and, and how that's done. And we'll mm-hmm. get to that, but it's my, it must be an even sort of more specific experience with the, your partner. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I'm very curious about that. Yeah. But they are lovely and it is lovely shot. And one uh, interesting thing to note as we move into the next episode, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, you'll see in episode two, there's this afterglow moment that Bill and Sookie have. Mm -hmm. That was filmed Mm -hmm. directly after they shot the love scene that they brought in the next director and did it on the same day so that it would all sort of the energy level would be there. And, And so, yeah, so sometimes that'll happen. You'll shoot the last scene and the first scene of an episode kind of on the same day. Yeah. That's such a luxury. That's such a nice. It is nice when you can do it. Yeah. Two lovely directors. We go from Dan Minahan to Michael Lehman. Yeah. Really sensitive, beautiful guys. I I just, on a, on a personal note, I'll say it is, it is very funny to me that they completely forget about Jessica and just (laughs) rip each other's clothes off. Um, and just very, they acknowledge it coming up, but I always have that moment where I'm like, man, I'm just downstairs. I mean, vampires have very good hearing. Yes, we do. Because as a human, you're three floors away because yeah. you're down in the dirt, yeah. right? Well, no. He like sent you to the cubby? I th- well, I think that's where I'm living right now. Yeah, is in the cubby. Yeah. Man. But also I'm just like, so apparently weird. I'm this like dangerous teenager that like should be watched at all times and they're really distracted. <laughs> Yeah, there are some things I noticed this season that I will have fun pointing out where I'm like, ah, yeah, because, you know, there's there starts to be some things that I didn't really see in the first season where the actors kind of do something a little silly or inconsistent to make the story go where it has to go. You 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 right. So you jump on board. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like. Jessica, we'll get to hang tomorrow yes, night. We'll deal with your impulsivity. I just want to talk to my boyfriend. Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? 
I know. We, I was so absorbed in the whole thing. I didn't notice. So I guess that's what they're counting on with the audience, yeah. right? They'll be, we'll be so absorbed and distracted by Bill and Sookie's love that we won't, uh, <laughs> we won't worry about Go, Jessica where the, for a Where's moment. their kid? <laughs> where's their deadly killer kid? <laughs> Who is very well a suspect for uh, the Miss Jeanette killing at this point. Oh, that was another great Moyer yes. take where he says, no, most likely yeah. not or whatever, <laughs> how he says it. Yeah. Could it have been Jessica? No, no, I not, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> His turn. Oh, so good. All right. And now for a quick bite. A month in the life of Sookie Stackhouse. The True Blood writer sure can pack a wallop into four and a half weeks of story time. In week one alone, Sookie discovered two dead bodies, her brother was arrested twice, and she met her first vampire whom she dated, broke up with, got back together, and broke up with once more before going out with her boss. In week two, she buried her beloved Gran, lost her virginity, and got bit for the first time. Then she believed her beau to have been murdered, then not, got drenched in vampire goo, and found her cat murdered instead. And if all of that were not enough, she also learned of the existence of shapeshifters. But the first half of week three is the real doozy. Before the end of the day on Wednesday, she had solved a murder case, been viciously attacked by her friend's fiancé, murdered him, and switched up bows twice more. Finally, after all that, Sookie gets two weeks of well-deserved peace. Now it's a new month and a new Sookie. Her wounds are finally healing and she and her vampire boyfriend have gone a full 14 days without breaking up. But oh no, there's no rest for the wicked as season two picks up speed. So looking at this episode, it's interesting. It seems like a lot of the characters are sort of searching for belonging, searching for mm-hmm. family of some kind. They've been distanced from their blood relatives and are having to navigate right. new relationships kind of for better or worse. Um, so it was an interesting right. theme that sort of pulled through a couple of the sort of main characters in the show. You know, and I, yeah. I first think certainly Bill and Jess fit into that category. Huge, huge thing. You know, so even though we're not a huge part of the episode, you know, Jessica has no family. She is this new mm-hmm. creature and she's mm-hmm. now living with this sort of self-hating vampire who doesn't really want her <laughs> to be like him. <laughs> right. And they're kind of stuck with each other and having to make the best of it. Oh my gosh, those scenes where he's trying to be a dad <laughs> and he's so square. Your dad Bill is so funny. Dad Bill is so brilliant and so funny. I mean, of course, I love that he's like, here's the recycling, <laughs> which is Stephen Moyer too. Yeah. You know, he fought for recycling yeah, on, on the set, set and finally got it. He did. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because especially Jessica and where she's coming from. And at this point, we only know a very little about her family yeah. life, but it's mm-hmm. just built into her to push back against authority at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do get the sense, even though we'll get into it deeper, that as a new vampire, there's some impulse control. (laughs) But he's just sort of (laughs) assuming that she's a brat rather than trying to look any deeper, um, which I think is eventually going to bite him in the butt. Yeah, and Suki helps him kind of realize, you know, coming up. And also we do find out more about Jessica's family coming up, coming up in this season. And 
yeah, their relationship is wonderful and how she just wants to be with Eric having fun. You know, what does she say? Like, Eric let me feed on a tattooed biker or something. Yeah. Eric's definitely, Eric and Pam are definitely more fun. That's for sure. But, you know, Jessica probably does need a bill. She just, you know, she she just needs someone who's going to love her and support her rather than control her. I think we find out that dad from home controlled and if Bill comes from a control angle, he's going to fail. So it's a it's a great mm-hmm. setup, I think, for the rest of the season. You're really on to something here, Deb. <laughs> You're so good at pulling these themes of this found family concept because Tara, Marianne, yeah. Eggs, you know, they're all lost. Yeah. All the characters mm-hmm. are searching for people that they can connect to. Huge. So, you know, I mean, here's Tara who has never been supported and never felt secure with her blood family, her mother. Mm -hmm. And here she is at Marianne's where everything is done for her. She's got this dreamy guy that she's living with. And, and, and then, oh, there's this incredible moment. And, you know, we spoke with Michelle Forbes about it, so we'll hear more um, from her, but where Marianne just cuts to the core of Letty May. Laser precise. I've always wondered what it would be like to gaze into the eyes of someone so devoid of human compassion that she would abandon her own child when she needed you most. It's it, yeah. it's such a great moment. And it's it teeters on that perfect balance of like, it's yeah. true. Right. Which it sounds like then she's standing up for Tara. But it also mm-hmm. feels like she's hurting someone that Tara loves. And so mm-hmm. is it? an act of generosity or not. It, it's that perfect Marianne. I don't know. <laughs> it's just perfect enough that Tara goes with yes. her because someone's standing up for her and then she puts her arm around her and just leads her away and says, let's go home. Yeah, she says that. That's right. Right? Yeah. Oh, but it's creepy, right? I mean, it's creepy that she's sort of it's creepy. taking Tara away from her her family, her blood, her roots. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that Tara's spidey senses tingle for that, that she's not mm-hmm. completely, completely swayed by Marianne. She's, mm-hmm. she's let her guard down, but not her gut, I think, which is, which is it, true. You know, good not on you, Tara, like, you know, <laughs> for that. Yeah. Good on yeah. you. Cause then she does start questioning yeah. more. Yeah. And asking eggs mm-hmm. and back at the mansion mm-hmm. wondering. And so she's still got her street smarts. Yep. This this theme, though, is really, I'm looking at thinking about all the characters, mm-hmm. what we find out about Pam, mm-hmm. you know, Bill moving back to Bon yes. Tom. You know, he's looking to belong somewhere. Absolutely. Sookie, Jason, it really is a, a big yeah. theme. Yeah. It's a, that's a doozy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a theme of, not only life and art, you know, in total, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, in this one, it's sort of a nice specific highlight. I think we even see it with it Jason and the Light of Day Institute. And, and you know, we mentioned before, sure. you know, he's reeling with this guilt and this grief mm. over Gran, mm-hmm. Amy. Things are still weird with Sookie over Eddie, what mm-hmm. happened there. And now his uncle yep. dies. I mean, his, his blood relatives are literally dropping. 
Right. In like three yes. weeks. <laughs> as yeah. we you have, know what I mean? As we have uh, determined. <laughs> it, has been a, it has been a rough month for Jason Stackhouse it's, well. been a, it's been a challenging month. Let's see. Two women this... he slept with died. Three women he slept with died. Right. Oh, my goodness, Jason right. Stackhouse. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. Right. He thought he was the killer. I mean, he's also. How would you ever have sex again? <laughs> right. He gets right. These people are resilient. Yeah, are. These Stackhouses. They get right back in the saddle. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are tough, tough folk. And this is on the on the foundation of Jason losing yes. his parents yes. as well, right? So he is a lost He's figure, a lost soul. And and I think again, making sure that that is his foundation is why, despite all of the many many mistakes that Jason makes, we still root for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, Ryan's performance. You know, those things oh. combined, we want good things for him. Um, we do. We love yeah. him. It's just, it's so fascinating this, you know, I think when, when we're feeling guilt and we're feeling grief, it's so much easier to surrender those decisions to God than to actually have right. to face the fact that you made some bad decisions. Right. Um, right. You know, God forgives everything, but our conscience right. and our loved ones, not necessarily <laughs> so quickly. Um, right. So I think, you know, in a way, this is an easier path for him to go to sort of follow these zealots and let them make his decisions for him so that he doesn't yes. have to feel so responsible. And that, that is a very complex uh, feeling for someone like Jason. Yeah, there's a lot of complexities and we don't get the impression that Jason is equipped for complexities. And it right. So the fact that, like he said, pray on it and the money came in and this just feels so clear yeah. and so right. And, you know, religion can do that for well, us, and you know. Jason has been mm-hmm. reading, which is a new habit for Jason. What? What? Well, I've been reading your father's book, and it's really making me um, think about things. <laughs> His delivery. <laughs> Again, the pauses, so much of these great actors, like in the pauses is, in the pause. are, is everything. Wow. The dot, dot, dots. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's just the greatest. I know. He's enamored with Steve he Newland. Is. You know, we talked about that lingering hand and and, and just Jason yes. needing, you know, he needs someone to look up to. And why not Steve Newland? You know, this is why a not? charismatic, he's on TV, he's famous, mm-hmm. and he seems peaceful and happy and i think i think in his heart like all of us that's really what jason wants and now i am so thrilled to introduce the man who needs no introduction <sighs> he is well just freaking stephen moyer damn it <laughs> Uh, he, you will know him best, of course, as Bill Compton on True Blood, one of our dearest mm-hmm. friends and one of the loveliest people we've ever known, I think I can say for both of yeah. us. He's also done ridiculous amounts of theater. He is a singer, a dancer, a musician. Yeah, he's been in a billion movies. He's just, he's just Stephen. <laughs> Hello. Oh no, I'm crying. Are you crying already, you idiot? I'm crying. I started crying before we were recording. Are you kidding? 
as soon as your face popped on the screen, I was like, I'm not going to make it through this interview. Oh, don't stop me off. I'll be useless. <laughs> oh, dear. And Deb really doesn't cry. I don't cry as much as Kristen does. I cry well, no plenty. One does. But specifically, I think, Steve, you, uh, you bring out... The gushiness oh, in me. <laughs> Look, it's so weird because I, I was telling Kristen by, via text, yeah. I remember so little. <laughs> it's almost comic. And so today I watched us, all of us, do a... Yeah. Do, there's a season two catch-up where we describe oh. Oh, that sure. we actually did, right? And it's so fucking nuts. <laughs> The show is so nuts. <laughs> As you're listening to this stuff being like coming out, you're just like, hang on, I don't remember. Who is that? Oh, yeah. Who are these people? And I have to also <laughs> add at this point as well that I have season two hair at the moment. You do? Oh, my gosh. You do? Yeah. That's right. And, Very season two And hair. I haven't had season two hair, well, since season two, but my hair, my hair is is not so dark anymore. It's quite grey, and I'm doing something yeah. where I'm playing a character, and he he looks like Bill but with a tan. Thank God. Okay. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> but this is, I mean, we've been looking forward to speaking with you. Oh, me too, guys. Since through the first season and into this. And there's so much, of course, to talk to you about with over seven seasons. But well, you know, we always start with how yeah. did you get the role? How did it start? Well, I think it is an interesting story. I'd been going back and forward for many years to America to do stuff but I was also working in in England a lot and I had just done this TV show mm -hmm. in Australia oh and um I had just yeah. arrived back in the UK and I'd been away for like four or five months and I did this uh, tape I got flown over to LA and I got the lead in yeah. what would have been a 24 style show it was by the same creators it was the same production oh, wow. team and it was playing a kind of Jack Bauer yeah. role and basically, long story short, the table read was a disaster. Mm -hmm. The writer came up to me and I said, and, and by the way, I'd, I'd had to do a screen test. This is quite an important part of the story. I'd had to do a screen test in the 24 stages. I had done my screen test uh -huh. for the role. Interesting. In the Oval Office yeah. of the White House yes. for 24. Oh my gosh. And, and at the end, the director and the person who was reading with me and a couple of other people that were there sort of stood up and clapped. Or, or did, they clapped. Wow. And people, I think, who were sort of around felt like they should clap yep. because they right, were right. there and they were just standing there <laughs> waiting for me to finish my audition. So cut to the table right. read. The table read, which I'm not going to go into why, but it, 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 it didn't Good. work. Perfect. And what was an hour pilot ended up being 27 oh. minutes. Oh, and, no. And I, and I get in the car... Uh, and I leave and my agents and people, everybody rings up and says, how was it? And I said, it was 27 <laughs> minutes and no one's going to survive. They're, gonna, they're not, we're, we're not going to be making this pilot. I will be fired. And, oh and my, my, my guys were like, don't be ridiculous. That's crazy. This is no way. And sure enough, right. everybody was let go, including the casting directors, including, wow. I mean, literally everybody. Yeah by somebody who was high up, whose name yeah. I won't mention. That's what they do. That's what the networks do. They just napalm it yeah. and then rebuild. Yes. 
It's crazy. So I go back to England and I say to <laughs> my team, I'm not coming back. This system is ridiculous. Wow. The process is just wow. stupid. And yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. But what happens is the casting directors were so upset about what happened that they <laughs> leaked to the rest of the casting directors that casting season my tape that I had done in the Oval Office. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. But it starts getting around all of these offices that this guy who had got a standing ovation when he did his... Right. When he did <laughs> from his, crew. From crew. Right, who'd, when he did his casting, right. there was a, a bunch of people really there. Honey, normally, and my manager, yeah. and my manager is like, "Honey, you got a standing ovation. Everybody's talking about it." And um, <laughs> and I and I start getting all these things and all these offers to say, "Come back, come back." Oh, you, there's there's no. offers coming in based uh, on that tape, and I because right. at this point wow. I had I had said no. I'm like no. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm done. I've told you. I'm not coming back. I live in England. I'm just fine. I'm not coming back. And then finally, about two weeks later, she was screaming at me by now because there'd been quite a few sort of interesting things come through. She said, okay, Mm. this is the last one. I will leave you alone after this. But they are looking for this role. Alan Ball has seen that little tape that you did. And and he wants to see you for this role. And I was like, oh, what is it? Wow. So she sent it to me. I read it that night. I went in the next morning, put it on tape with Nina Gold, who is a brilliant casting director. Yeah. And 24 hours later, I was sitting opposite Anna <gasps> in Alan's office. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and I have to say, because people always ask Blue. me, and I don't know what you guys feel about this, but um, when I read that pilot, people always say, did you know? Mm-hmm. I would still say, like, it's one of the five great scripts I've ever read. Hmm. Yeah. It just, because there was this world. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just a great sort of page-turning story. There was, Alan had created a world that was alive on the page of this place called Bontemps and the heat and the stickiness and this sort of strange netherworld that was so parallel to our own and so real. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'd ever sort of found that where I was just like, oh my God, I don't know what this is, but this is something. So you're in a room with Anna and yeah. Alan, yes. right? On the lot. Two on Hollywood lo- powerhouses. Yes. On the lot as on well. On the lot, yes. Which, which, which interestingly yeah. we ended up at. We didn't start at, as you may remember, the first right. season. Yes. But we actually did end up right outside Alan's office for the next seven years. And I'd just come back from Australia and I was and I was playing this tan beach bum with blonde bleached hair, kind of like Jason, kind of bleachy blonde, you know, spiky hair and tanned. And Anna was herself, you know, like this porcelain with raven hair. Yeah. When I meet her. Oh my gosh. So when we meet- You were, she was Bill and you were Sookie Yes, exactly. She was Bill and I was Sookie. I was this (laughs) lovely little girl coming there. You were. Tan, um, blonde. Tan and blonde. Thought about your outfit. Yeah. And, and underneath I had a polka dot <laughs> un- swimsuit on. You know. Of course. Mm. So did you just have that one reading that day? So we did that reading. At, with Alan. Alan gave us a couple of notes. 
which we worked mm-hmm. through. I think we improvised a bit as well. Um, it was it was fascinating because I loved him immediately. Wow. I just loved him. Yeah. And on the Monday, we met yeah. back up again at HBO at the building. And I went in okay. and did it in front of a whole theatre of people. I remember thinking mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. I and, and you guys will know as actors, at this point, I had given it away, right? Because I had said... I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy with my career in England. I don't mm-hmm. need this yeah. anymore. I'm not doing this yeah. transatlantic thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Because right. I'd let it go. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't matter anymore. Yeah. So, so no, that day, I, that day I felt absolutely fine. I was like, we did a huh. good audition. Yeah. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I really like this girl that I'm working with she's amazing woman mm-hmm. she's amazing and I'd really like to work with her more and afterwards mm-hmm. we sort of sat around yeah. for 20 minutes talking and then eventually they said Annie you can go and I stayed in the room and about 20 minutes later they came and said Stephen you can go and as I walked out of the HBO steps I sort of waved goodbye to the casting directors it was Junie huh. and I started walking down the stairs and I just turned around and I went that was okay wasn't it and she went and I, and I went, oh. Oh. She gave you two thumbs up. She gave me the two thumbs up. So Alan Ball actually mentioned when he was talking about the casting of Bill that they had looked long and hard for someone and that you kind of, like he said, he saw a video, you kind of sprung into his life at the right moment and that part of what he was missing in a lot of the auditions was that sense of history, that right. sense of someone who has seen so much and remembers so much. And I, I do think... The United States, being a younger country, doesn't right. have that same necessarily connection that perhaps a European would have. And I think that, that for Alan, he saw that in your your performance in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you know, having this theater background. Now, the other thing Alan talks about is how many playwrights he hired, how many yes. theater actors he hired. Same yep. me. When I graduated from yep. college, I all I was going to do was theater. And then this TV show fell in my lap. You yeah. know, and so yeah. I'm mm-hmm. I'm always so curious to hear from our different theater actors why they think that's helpful or was it something that they utilized? And especially coming from you, because we think of you as a film director. You have mm-hmm. a director's eye as well. So it's yeah. this wonderful combination. So today I watched the finale of season one. And the first episode of season two. And... um, Oh, boy. Oh, my God. The performances. Because our world is a heightened world. And you're just looking at this cast just going, fuck, man. I know. And so not only did he hire theatre actors, but he also hired playwrights. And I have often quoted Alan, because when I did start directing the show, I realised that how how massive the job is of showrunner and how massive the jobs were of mm. all the, the props artists and, mm. and the prop makers and the creators and the, yeah. the lighting guys and all of that and, yeah. and the riggers and what they're ordering and all of those things. And Alan hires the best people yeah. that he can possibly get. All of it, it's so interesting because you are a singer, dancer, actor director but you're good at all of it right like i could say i do those things too but you 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 know the reality of you know the (laughs) the image in my head is not the image that would be in (laughs) all of your heads but 
it makes me think of so many questions, but one is these flashbacks you do with Lorraine on season two are just cuckoo mm-hmm. for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, they're yeah. absolutely so stunning. It was so yeah. fun. Well, and they're little, they're little playlets. I they're think playlets, yeah. right? They're these they're little like, playlets, these little two handers. They're so incredible. beautiful. And that's you really singing and yeah. playing. Yes, but you guys. But was that in the script? You singing and at the piano? Yeah, and because Bucky wrote that episode, and he had found out that uh, he knew that I sang, and and he knew that I played the piano. Um, there was a piano in my lot, maybe an upright, and I used to go and play it at lunchtime. <laughs> and I think Alan had actually come in one day because the studio usually got closed, yeah. you know everybody would walk away to, right. to lunch. Right. And that was right. really great for me because it meant yes. I could go to Merlot's and, or maybe it right. was in Sookie's house. It was in Sookie's house. Yeah. And I think Alan heard me playing and, and then put the, put the oh. bee in, in Bucky's ear. And, and, oh, but what okay. was lovely about that as well was that I then got to form a relationship with Nathan Barr, who yes. right. our amazing composer and because I had a relationship with Nathan, because we'd rec- I'd gone up to his Topanga home to mm-hmm. sort of learn that bit of music, hard-hearted Hannah, oh. and he, to get the sheet music, to, to work out exactly how they wanted me to play it and how they wanted me to sing it. And he's so he's such a good friend, and he's oh so talented. Oh my gosh! Wow! And the score is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So that was really like one of those things, Kristen, where like I met a, I met somebody that during that time you know and when I started directing he actually would ask me what I wanted sounds to sound like what I wanted when when you Mm. were directing this moment what did what were you thinking so I I got a little sort of in that some of the visiting directors wouldn't have had right oh that's fascinating Mm. and that's interesting coming after having spent so many years on one side of it, because that's, I think, part of what Kristen and I are experiencing yeah. doing this podcast and yeah. speaking with so many members of the crew yeah. and our production staff yeah. and other actors in their processes, is this, you always sort of live in your bubble and do your work. And I mean, I was so curious, what is it like to work for seven years with your partner? And you've continued to. On something yeah. like this, of what you can share or, or want to share. I mean, that must be such a unique experience. <laughs> I I honestly can't imagine it. I was watching her today, just yeah. just loving her so much and being so amazed by her and remembering that early joy of of what it felt yeah. like when when we were starting this crazy ball rolling and I just remember that feeling so well of 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 mm. feeling so lucky and having found my soulmate and being mm. able to not only just be with her at work but at home as well. So true. So there is a shorthand that we have. Yeah. We make each other laugh. And but we also sort of I don't know, it's just it, it just works so well. It just felt always so natural. And as you yeah. know, guys, we we did keep it from everybody for quite a long time. I, I remember, I think, it was se- I think it was episode 10 of season one. And people were starting to find out because me and Anna were living together by now. And right. people, <laughs> people well, we'd have been living together since like after the pilot. Obviously, at some point, the scripts started going to the same place. So the 
So the inside office <laughs> right. had, had worked yeah. it out. And, yeah. But we hadn't told anybody yeah. at work. And I remember there was some sign writing happening outside the studio. And huh. I was with Sam and we were looking up at the sky watching this thing. And I said, Sam, there's something I kind of need to tell you. And he was like, yeah, what's up? And I said, look, I feel bad about this, but I didn't want to ruin everybody's life. We didn't, we desperately didn't want to ruin everybody's. Right, right. Like, if, if, if this didn't, what, what are you, and he's like, Steve, what are you talking about? And, and I said, me and Anna are, 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 me and Anna are together and we live together. And Sam was like, his mind was so blown. He couldn't believe it. He could not believe that he hadn't noticed couldn't right. believe that he had no idea. And then Ryan was the last person I told. And he was shocked. Oh, boy. So, yeah, it was, it was just one of those things where the last thing you want a couple to do, or the, the leading couple to do, mm. is get together the two leads, yeah. and then have this chemistry thing that then goes... And right. they're screaming at each right. other for the next five <laughs> right. seasons. And um, so we were really, really aware that we did not want to ruin people's experience. You know, if this turned out uh-huh. to be the sort of job that everybody's been waiting for that lasts for years, you know. Well, you guys really were interesting because and wonderful because you had parties at your house every year. We were all everybody was included you did feel like the den parents, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might segue because I just realized, yeah, like this is your daddy. Hey, like <laughs> there was a comment in the, that you talked about in the commentary, Stephen, about Deborah got some sort of direction that was to be more put upon and sort of like, I lost my life, you know, more vulnerable yeah. maybe. And, and then all of a sudden in the take, you're like, oh my gosh, you had such paternal feelings for her. Yeah, It was so sweet. And you said, in my opinion, Deb can do no wrong. So you, and I was like, wow. Cause, cause of course you and I had Pam and Bill had a different fun relationship yeah. where we just annoyed each other, which I loved, <laughs> but you, <laughs> right. We, but you we and just Deb. had so much fun. No, I honestly, I think anybody who's read the books will know it isn't Bill that kills yeah. Long Shadow in the books. Mm. But I know that Alan and the writer's room, when they were structuring it, felt like Bill disappeared the end of book one and, and the beginning of book two. And so they oh. needed to try and find a way of keeping him present. So they decided that there was, there needed to be a punishment for for that. Now, I'll be honest, and I've never told you this, Deb, there was a part of me uh-uh. that was like, why don't, why are they changing it? Because I'd read those first two books mm. and I was like, right. what, what are they? No, because look, this is all so brilliantly structured and, and he's done such an amazing job of, of taking this thing. Do they not trust me that I can mm. deliver what's in the book? Oh. That they're having to invent something that, right. that doesn't exist, and now now they're going to create this thing where he's got this appendage, you know, because right. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what you were going to sure, turn into. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember being sort of like there being some sort of trepidation f- f- from hmm. me about what what it was going to 
feel like and how it was how it would change our story or whatever. But then I remember reading the script and going, okay, well, this is really good. This is like, this is good stuff. But then, yeah. but then, and we hadn't met yet, I don't think, Deb. Mm-hmm. But then one of the one of the lovely elements of this show that I think everybody will agree about is that come what may, we always, we never didn't do a table read. Yes. Now it's a fucking Huge. pain in the ass when you're doing a 14 <laughs> or 15 hour day yes. to go and have to spend your lunchtime doing a table read. But my God, it was fantastic. And I remember that table read going, ooh, this could be really, this mm. could be interesting. This, mm. th- uh. Maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Like, uh-huh. you know, Bill going out to pasture yeah. somehow, you know. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. then right. we turned up for those two nights in that yeah. cathedral. Junkyard. Oh, <laughs> my God. And they built right? the Colosseum. <laughs> yeah. They built the, a Roman Colosseum out of scrap cars. <laughs> yes. And, and I watched it today, Deb, and it's so amazing. You did, yeah. I, it's I did. a great, it's a great scene. Oh my god, I I was. I mean, it was it was it was a dream. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what I'm what I'm hoping to be able to say to you now, because I think when I was a 22 year old who had never been on screen and just didn't know what I was doing, and you all were gorgeous and scary and experienced, and <laughs> you know, I. This was really, really was my first job. I was Stephen Moyer right out of Lambda going, I'm going to do theater the rest of my life. And <laughs> I don't, you know, that's it. And being able to work with you over those seven years and have not only a mentor, but a champion in you, I think as well. And who I think taught me every single time we worked how to be better at it, how to be a, a better craftsperson at the same time. And moments where... We'd be doing a scene and, you know, my take on acting has always been like, I'm in a documentary, like you can capture it, you know, but you would say little things like just at the end, just tip your chin up or something like that. And, and they'd get something and, and that you just had that, you looking out for me. And I felt that. And, you know, some of that is you, some of that I'm sure is me as Jessica looking at you and seeing Bill and (laughs) taking on all of those feelings. But it just, it meant so much to me, Stephen. And I, 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 mean, I will I, never, I, ever forget you well, for it. You know how I feel yeah. because you're so fucking good. Oh, you're yeah. so fucking good. You know, and you know how many yeah. times on the red carpet I've said, like, she's the next Meryl <laughs> Streep. You know how many times I've said that. Oh. I've said it like 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> and I do remember thinking, there's a moment in that, in that sequence, in that scene where yeah. I glamour you and, and Jelko says, you know, you can't, there's no glamouring, yeah. no glamouring allowed. And I think it was the first time that you and I had sort of really looked each other in the eye. Yes. We'd spoken and we'd said hello and, you know, we'd, we'd, we were sort of getting ready for, to do it and stuff, but we really looked each other in the eye. And Scott yeah. had, had brought us together and, you know, and made us like connect. Yeah. And there is a luminescence in you that is so extraordinary. In It's in the whites of your eyes. I know it sounds bizarre, but it's in the whites of your eyes. And when you look, I've never seen you not 
in the moment ever. And you just fucking are like a firework on that screen. It's, for me, uh, it just blows me away. And I... Well, coming to play wholeheartedly because there were players on the field, right? Like, this was not some phone-it-in weekly procedural, right? I mean, this was come ready to play because you will sink so fast. Um, And (laughs) I, you know, just remembering, (laughs) remembering some of these scenes and reading these scenes and going like, how am I going to do this? And then going, okay, it's with Steve. (laughs) It'll be all right. Yeah, because you had big stuff. Because you went from that huge night to like waking up and having all those turns. In the dirt, all the stuff. All the stuff then, but but for me, I think because for me, Bill is the most significant relationship in Jessica's life, and they have me running around and having romances and things like that. Yeah. But every single episode, I always said, "What what is this this storyline, this connection with her parent?" Because as someone who had spent Jessica spent her life with difficult parents and a traumatic experience, this is the one that needs to be repaired. Right. Yeah. Um, and Bill is going to be through whom she tries to figure out how to repair that part of herself. And so that every time the, the Bill and Jessica scenes were the most important ones for me. I, I saw the, um, that, the famous recycling moment t- today. And, Yay. And, I love and that so much. It's so, it's so silly. And I kind of was, I was watching it going, you know, he's so earnest. He's so, yes. he's so desperately, earnest. He's, he's taken on this, he's taken on this yeah. thing. Because he's trying so hard, even though he is de- his destiny is that he is there for an alternate reason to the reason that we think he's there. The, the ability to know what you're playing moving forward, but also with all this prehistory that, that's in the book and that you've mm. created that has built this person who's, you know, delivering that stuff. It's just, it's so rich and it's so rare to get that richness. Yes. Bill feels partially because of the writing, but I think he's still a lot due to you, really, mostly. He feels full to the brim from the first frame that you walk onto this show. You just see, and you know, some of that's what Alan is talking about, that you see Mm. history Mm -hmm. in him. And you feel this history. And, you know, that is so hard. Again, like we said, you can't fake it. You just have to own it in a way. Well, we all have, we all have yeah. moments. I wrote this down because I just thought this was, this may be straight from the book, but we have all over, over the years met people who are so committed to our show, who will be listening to this show. And some of the fans are so, were so, so, so extraordinarily passionate and so supportive of who we were as people, as well as actors. And when I was doing Chicago, there was a lady who waited and she came every night when I was doing it at the Hollywood Bowl and she came every night and she was from England and she'd flown over especially to see it. Wow. And she had this whole speech tattooed on her back. I remember when I read it going, fuck, fuck, that's good shit. You know, some of it's Alan and some of it's Charlene and yeah. it's a mashup, but it's, yeah. I have no heartbeat. I have no need to breathe. There are no electrical impulses in my body. What animates you no longer animates me. You think that it's not magic that keeps you alive? Just because you understand the mechanics of how something works 
doesn't make it any less of a miracle, which is just another word for magic. We're all kept alive by magic, Suki. My magic's just a little different from yours, that's all. And that, I remember reading that yeah. in, the, in the script and going, yep. because, because our show, whether it was, you know, beautifully politically incorrect, beautifully provocative, yeah. funny and dark and twisted and sexy. But if it was also one thing, it was, you know, a metaphor for so many different otherness in the world. And I think that's one of the reasons that people latched onto yes. it, whether it be sexuality or, or race or, you know, choose your otherness, differentness. But that speech yes. absolutely sums up what it is, whether you're religious or whether you're not religious. It's like embrace yeah. the magic, embrace the essence of the magic of what we are, because we are here and it's yeah. beautiful. Well, and that's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Stephen Moyer. <laughs> yes, and scene. And scene. <laughs> yeah, that speech. Yeah, we highlighted it. We talked it. about quite a bit yeah, because that, that just blew yeah. my socks off. Yeah. That just makes me weep every time. <laughs> what a speech yeah, that you gorgeous. got to deliver so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you think of your... I mean, it's almost the most challenging question for you, yeah, your massive yeah. experience Jesus. on this show. But your experience, are there three words that come to mind? Family. Exactly. Magic. Yeah. And fun. Whenever our show went off the rails and was, was fucking nuts... And there are times when it doesn't make any sense and we're, we're, and the, we and we're, and, and, yes. and we're all, we're all Fonzie on the skis yes. and, and yes. we're, we're going that way and, and the train is going that way and we are going this way and, and it's going to be and episodes and episodes and, yeah. and the, the shark's like even gone. <laughs> the shark's disappeared as well because it's like, I can't be in this show. <laughs> Even at that point, yeah. it was never not fun. And just uh, it, it just made me so happy watching it today. So thank you That's, for making me watch it. <laughs> you know who's magic, Kristen? <laughs> Stephen Moyer, my maker. I, I, I'm so glad that he agreed to speak with us and that he's the the premiere, the kickoff of our second season. Um, his stories. Yeah. I mean, we'll let you all in right now. This was a three hour interview that somehow yeah. our producer Gabby whittled down because he is just chock full yeah. of heart. <laughs> That's it. He's all heart yeah. and humor and poignancy yeah. he's just you know what an amazing perfect what a wonderful human being but also the perfect bill perfect you know bill. and and we're very lucky there's something to you know we highlighted that section of, of his speech from season one when we you know we're in that episode but to hear him say it now years later with his natural accent there's something yeah. still 
so riveting about him. Kind of extra charming, right? He's a hard man to say no to. Yeah. (laughs) He's a hard man to not listen to for three hours. And we would have happily sat there for another three and all day. We got to for seven years. We we will share uh, more of that with you as the years go on and hopefully have him back as we get into the other sides of Jerry. Next week on Truest Blood, our heroes are haunted by their pasts. It seems it's not that easy to move on when there's blood on your hands. And we'll have director Michael Lehman on to discuss his work on the show. He's directed some of your favorite films and TV, including Heathers, The Truth About Cats and Dogs, The Comeback, West Wing, American Horror Story, and 15 episodes of True Blood. You won't want to miss this one. So thanks for listening, Troopies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Y'all come back now, you hear. Got any burning questions you want answered on Truest Blood? Post them on any and all social media platforms using hashtag fanclubquestions, and we may feature them on the show. That's hashtag F-A-N-G-C-L-U-B-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Kavankar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Gallon, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of True Blood on HBO Max. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show, like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max. <laughs>